skeletons that dance, goblins that read gothic romance on a stage werewolves maraud as an audience of vampires applaud such spooky sights to be seen everybody could welcome back terry hello hi guys how's it going <laughs> it's wonderful to hear from you again uh, now if people haven't tuned into the first episode with you which they really should so if you haven't paused and <laughs> go and listen to that one <laughs> and subscribe by the way <laughs> yes do that too can you uh, remind our audience about who you are well, I'm known as Walt Disney's legendary Imagineer. That's one title. I've worked on, uh, I've been a Jim Henson Muppeteer since 1982 mm-hmm. and done a lot of film and television and created attractions all over the world for Disney parks and others. But the one I'm most famous for, of course, is Disneyland Paris, where I created the dragon that resides under the castle. So that's where most of your listeners probably know me from. But Mm -hmm. if you Google Terry Harden, you can learn all about the fact that I was in Ghostbusters. I was in Men in Black. I've done all kinds of crazy stuff. I create uh, one-of-a-kind sculptures and little sculptures for those who like Disney or whatever their dream might be. This episode will be coming out in my favourite season. My favourite season, of course, being October and Halloween. Uh, And you are a bit of an expert in many Halloween-y things. So I suppose I should start by asking you, how do you feel about Halloween in general? Well, Halloween is by far my favourite holiday. I guess when I was a little kid, I thought it was Christmas. Uh Because we got lots of presents and a lot of things like that. But uh, in retrospect... It had to be Halloween because at a very young age, uh, I had lots of friends. I'm an obsessive creator, which is someone who sees something and they automatically figure out how to do it. So I was making costumes for my neighborhood. My entire neighborhood wanted to be something exotic or unusual. They couldn't buy it at the store. So I would figure out how to make it and dress up all my friends. And then people were like, where did you get that costume or what happened with that? And uh, it just was a place for an artist to express themselves and to create environments that might be a little more fun than opening the door, the door and giving out candy. I'm based in the UK, you're based in America. Do you think there are uh, any big differences between the way Americans might celebrate Halloween to to British people? You know, I don't think so. I I might have thought that in the beginning, but uh, as you know, I teach pumpkin sculpting Mm -hmm. and I've got a lot of people from the UK who sign up and take the virtual class and are just as excited about Halloween as uh, as I am. In fact, many of them uh, would talk about how in, I want to say it was Scotland, but maybe it was Ireland. So if you're out there and I'm making the mistake, I apologize ahead of time. Mm-hmm. But originally they sculpted potatoes. They carved jack-o'-lanterns into potatoes. Mm. The joy of creating these jack-o'-lanterns and pumpkin type you know, these faces in food, if you will, came from Scotland, I believe. I think it did because my mum has very strong memories of, and in her area of Scotland, obviously everywhere is different. So it's (laughs) going to be different everywhere. But in her area of Scotland, uh, she carved 
turnips and her mother and her father had carved turnips and she said it was deadly because the flesh of a turnip is so hard especially at that time of year and she she genuinely is surprised she didn't lose a finger <laughs> I mean, you know i've heard that that turnips and i think maybe that could have segued on moved on into potatoes because they're a yeah. lot more friendly to you mm-hmm. oh definitely <laughs> yes yes but isn't it great that this line based on your question, is that not only uh, is the UK similar to us in their love for Halloween, but they, mm. or, they but they were the originators of what we do so much now, must do every Halloween, which is to uh, carve a pumpkin. That brings us on to uh, your, <laughs> your very amazing uh, adventure with carving pumpkins. So how did, how did you get into pumpkin carving on a sort of professional level? Well, it started with me being an obsessive creative. The de- Seriously, the definition of an obsessive creative is they will see something that looks interesting and we just, oh, I got to try that. Mm-hmm. I got to try that. I got to do that. So there was a newspaper article came out in my, in my community and he was carving faces into pumpkins and they were really great. He talked about how he took the hard orange skin or rind, if you will, off, and he carved the flesh of the pumpkin. And he also talked about how their different pumpkins make different thicknesses and walls. So you can get certain dimensions that you couldn't get under a normal jack-o'-lantern. You might buy at a market or whatever, Mm -hmm. but he talked about wood carving tools, the kind that you push only $5. You can buy them at an art store. Mm -hmm. They're very, you know, inexpensive. He also said the best way to practice was to go to a market or grocery store on November 1st, the day after Halloween, and give them puppy eyes. And they probably (laughs) would hand you about six or seven pumpkins for free because they don't want them anymore. (laughs) (laughs) So I said, okay, that sounds good. Bought the kit, bought this little $5 kit, went to my market, gave them puppy eyes. They gave me about four pumpkins and I came home. Well, the push tools, just like your mother was talking about mm-hmm. uh, in the turnips, these push tools cut me. Ooh. And I was like, you know what? This is not, this is not a good sculpting tool, but the pumpkin flesh seems to be soft enough. And I am a sculptor by trade. So I pulled out. Uh, some ceramic sculpting tools, which are the loop tools that have bevels. You can get them at any art store. They're you. They are art store. Mm-hmm. They're used in. They're used in um, clay and pottery. Very easy to get them, and they don't cut you. Ah, fantastic! So, the added so benefit. Said, try this, <laughs> and they worked beautifully. And so wow. I sculpted the four pumpkins, and I said, "This is really." Fun and cool. Well, because of the fact that I am involved with Disney and for several films that have a following, I have a following. And everybody was like, hey, can you teach us to do that? And I was, wow, mm-hmm. I guess I can. I would invite someone over, show them how to do it. They would sculpt with me and we'd decorate my yard pretty much. Mm-hmm. But then the Disney followers said, Can you teach us how to do it? And that's when it really exploded. Now I decide I'm going to do a video because I'm teaching live and everybody is having a fantastic time. I'm figuring out that a pumpkin means more to my students than just sculpting it for Halloween. 
So I found that when I taught classes in sculpting and drawing and illustration, people would get frozen by the white paper or the block of clay. So the pumpkin allows that person to take that step and carve the pumpkin because it has that basis in childhood. So they would just carve it because they remember as a little kid, they'd do it. And there I would be right by them. Now I would have a student or two who would cry during the whole process because they just felt it was awful. And I would come over and go, no, 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 you just haven't gone far enough. And then we mm-hmm. would light them and the person would cry because they thought it was so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And unlocking the creativity through teaching through pumpkin sculpting to people really helped my students. And I've never had one who couldn't do it. It opens a part of your brain that tells you you can. And after that, I had people write books. I had people do all kinds of things. In fact, in Indiana, this guy felt that way. We carved on his radio show. And the next thing you know, he's mayor. (laughs) Yeah, true story. So it just gives people confidence. You just don't know what that creative you know, that little touch on your shoulder saying, yes, you can. Don't listen to these haters. I don't care who you are. You can do this. That led to you becoming a a judge on a a television program, didn't it? So Outrageous Pumpkins, I did an online website for pumpkins. It's now been absorbed into my Mm terryharden.com website. Everything is there now for ease of it. The Outrageous Pumpkin team, the Food Network, were, I would imagine, surfing the internet looking for people. And they reached out to me to offer me to be a contestant that could compete for $10,000 or $25,000. Oh, wow. Nice. Most people, that would be woohoo. Mm-hmm. But I sat back and said, no, I really don't want to do that. But what I really feel I'm extra good at is being a judge. I think they were surprised by that. The producers wanted to know what I saw on a pumpkin, how I would judge a pumpkin, how would I differentiate between contestants. And then finally, I said, I'm a rule follower. One of the things that I hate about a lot of competition shows is that there's a set of rules that is done, and then they award it to someone who has not followed the rules. And I think as a viewer, it's very upsetting. and And I just straight up said, you know, as a viewer, this, this bothers me. So my first two or three times I was a judge with the Food Network, they could see that I wasn't intimidated by men. Mm -hmm. I was not intimidated by people ganging up. One of the greatest pumpkin sculptors is a man named Ray Villafane. He's very talented. If you Google him, you'll be like, whoa, what the? Because he's just all about pumpkins. It's his. He also did. um, He's like me. He does toys sculpts toys and things for like Mattel and Disney and stuff like this, but he loves pumpkins. And he was my co-judge on one of the shows. And we went head to head at one point over one person. We were two bulls sitting there fighting it out. And I kept saying, she's a very talented sculptor. She's done a great job, but she didn't follow rule number one. The number one rule that she was supposed to do was they had trucked in a 2,000 pound, 1,000 pound, well, let's say 1,000 pound pumpkins. Mm -hmm. So these pumpkins were big, probably about three, four feet across with walls that were six inches deep. Mm -hmm. Rule number one was to carve that pumpkin. Okay. 
He didn't carve the pumpkin. She, we, it, we, there were other pumpkins you could put with it to create a whole scene because it was the finale. Yeah. But you had to carve the giant one. And she carved letters into it, but that was it. He just sort of stood there for a minute and he said, but my reputation is on the line because he's known for pumpkins. Uh-huh. And I said, I get your reputation is on the line, but you understand for the good of the show, you got to follow the rules. People are going to point to this and say, how could she possibly win when she didn't follow rule one or he didn't follow rule one? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so that's why I think producers really like me because I'll back down if you can make your case. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to be dogmatic about it, but when it comes to the rules, then I'm like, wait a minute, you know, how is this going to be for the viewer? Because I love these shows too. And once they saw that, I think they said, yeah, we want her in there. As you know, with Halloween wars and shows very similar to that, mm-hmm. you got everybody buzzing around you and you're starting to look at their designs. You don't want that voice inside going, oh, there's is so much better because that makes you lose time. So you have to be uh, a con, a good contestant mindset and that's not always easy to do and then what do you do if something goes wrong if you only have so many hours to sculpt or create a design in a big contest you have to be able to think on your feet and work fast and uh and it's incredible when you see these people compete especially my later shows that I've been judging the contestants are phenomenal people they just come up with stuff that is breathtaking. Mm-hmm. And as a judge, you have to be critical. Mm-hmm. And many of us don't want to say anything mean. You know, we don't want to say anything that would appear mean about the design. Mm. But then if you're a contestant, you want to know what's lacking. So again, you mm. have to tell yourself as a judge, uh, I'd love to be nice the whole time. But if I was there sculpting and the judges were always nice, I would wonder why I didn't win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I suppose you know judging I mean? is very different to teaching. You can still be a mentor to them. You can still give them advice. But at the end of the day, the, you know, they've got to perform. Yeah, and we're generous people as judges. We want them yeah. to continue. But we also, I think, understand that if we were in their shoes, they're not going to want us to just tell them what's lovely. They mm. want to hear from us what we think they could have improved on. As a contestant, you're going to want to know why. What do you think is the pumpkin carving that you have made that you are most proud of? There's a couple of them. I did one for Desperate Housewives where I sculpted the apple. Mm. And the idea was to make the apple look just like the logo that the women hold in the television. It was for a party. They all went crazy for that. And then I did one for True Blood. I love vampires and I love Dracula. So I got to do that. And then finally the Ellen show. Um, Oh, wow. Yeah. Ellen show reached out to me and asked me if I would do a pumpkin for her. She featured it on the show. Those were all three super, super fun. What's exciting for me is to see someone who just doesn't believe that they're creative create something and realize that they really are, they really have this ability and uh, their life changes. That really is the win. That's amazing. Halloween in general is such a gateway for people because there's permission to be playful. A lot of people seem to think that Halloween stops being relevant if you're an adult, but that's only if you let the world convince you that creativity and joy isn't for adults, which is absolutely ridiculous. 
I couldn't have said it better myself. I absolutely agree with you. And when I've got a guy who's got a pillowcase and he's about six foot six and he's wearing some sort of mask or something coming to my door, Mm. uh, he always gets something. And last year we had a pandemic, just in case nobody out there knew that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) We had this pandemic and we decided to do a uh, display anyway. And I create my husband created this giant um, cloaked character, which I sculpted the head in a pumpkin. And then we used a rain gutter from the neck of the of the character. And then we slid bags of popcorn. So we always give microwave popcorn because we believe in a little salt with your with your candy. Oh, yeah. Children would put their bag at the end of the of the uh, rain gutter and we'd slide it down and it became this incredible game. We only had about 18 kids, Mm -hmm. but it was really, the parents were just excited that we had come out and decided to do it. Many people put a bowl of candy outside for people to just grab, but we were like, no, 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 we want to be a part of it. So there we were um, saying, put your bag under the, and it would slide and the kids would just go crazy. So it was a lot of fun. Um, and uh, I don't know if we'll, we may do that this year too, depending on mm-hmm. what the CDC says. But in any case, we'll be out there. We'll be out there and we'll be given, we'll be celebrating Halloween for those who want to have it because it's important to have the upbeat things during a time when you're so sad. Disneyland had a challenge. Disneyland here in California had a small challenge. And that was that their haunted mansion was so popular, they had trouble having downtime to fix <laughs> the figures you know <laughs> figures they all of the ghosts and goblins and ghouls have to have a place to be they had a terrible time trying to uh protect you know to to make sure the figures were up to speed and and things started to fall apart and they mm. continually were you know mm-hmm. so nightmare before christmas comes along ah. and boom They're able for six months to celebrate Halloween and Christmas with Nightmare Before Christmas and refurbish the classic ghosts of Haunted Mansion and then switch them out and refurbish the Nightmare Ghosts during the normal stay. And it just worked out to be, it just worked out brilliantly. Oh, that's amazing. So what do you want to carve as a pumpkin next? What's your next sort of uh, vision? Well, it's so funny that you would say that. I have a book tour coming up. I have a friend who's an author. She and I together have collaborated on a children's book called Giggling Pumpkins. Mm -hmm. It's about what actually happens in your pumpkin patch when you're trying to go pumpkins and grow pumpkins and how pumpkins have some little pranksters in the patch that sometimes punk you or they help you or whatever, but this just starts to help you to better understand why pumpkins may not be as simple as you thought they were when you were going to grow them. But it's a super cute little book Mm -hmm. and I'm very, very proud uh, to be a part of it. And uh, I'm going to be sculpting some of the characters from the book during the book tour as I tour through uh, Indiana and Ohio Mm -hmm. Uh, coming up in about a week I leave and then I'm there for two weeks and we're going to be at these festivals and stuff for this book so I'll be demoing the sculpture of the pumpkin so these people who never really get to see me in action Mm -hmm. um, will get to see me in action doing these uh, 
doing these sculptures and they'll be from the book. So I'm going to sculpt some pumpkin fairies and maybe a couple of silly faces and mm -hmm. stuff like that. This year, I think I'd like to do a pumpkin for my house that is based on Shang-Chi. I haven't seen the movie yet, but I love Ori. Ah. I love Asian stuff and pumpkins look really beautiful lit. So anything um, Oriental or Asian really steps up. Last year I did Kung Fu Panda and then there'll be a dragon in there somewhere because there always is. Oh, that's fantastic. Can you tell us where people can either buy or support Giggling Pumpkins? They can go to my website, terryharden.com, or Google it if you don't have fast enough fingers. But <laughs> terryharden.com and then just click on new book. It's also a place where you can click on event schedule and it will tell you about the live and virtual pumpkin events coming near the end of October mm -hmm. in case you want to be a part of that. And it's great fun, um, done on zoom. So if it's something that you'd like to do, you can read about that. You can also, you know, but, uh, click on new book or you can click on online store. There's all kinds of wild stuff there, you know, for sale, no pressure. Mm -hmm. And, uh, <laughs> and you can have a great time. So that's all at the website. I wanted to do that because me as a 64 year old woman mm -hmm. don't like a lot of HTTP slash slash. It, it just confuses the heck out of me. No, it's completely legitimate. And I will also put a link uh, to your website uh, in the description of this podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Not at all. Terry, thank you so much. Do you have, uh, just to sign off, do you have anything to tell people this Halloween? This Halloween is going to be a very special time because we are coming out of this pandemic. Mm -hmm. So use it to reconnect and celebrate childhood, ch your childhood, um, I think try to figure out something that could be fun so that you can share it with other people. Maybe this year, because you've been sitting around all day, instead of getting a bite-sized candy bar, maybe you invest in full-size ones for the kids. <laughs> you know, something that just surprises the heck out of them. Mm -hmm. I just think this year, my husband is so excited. We always play a movie. We screen a movie mm -hmm. so that the parents... If they want to let, you know, kids run around to the various houses, they can put up a lawn chair and watch uh, the movie. The movie's always nightmare. We mm. just project it so people can watch it. And uh, and it's been a very popular, you know, we just share it. We don't make charge. We don't do anything. We just put it up there so people hear the music. So there's all kinds of wonderful things. Use this time to release the creative beast in you because it's been so long that we've been cooped up and uh, it's affected all of us. Mm -hmm. So I would use that to just, to just go for it. Yeah. Oh, wonderful. Thank you so much, Terry. And to everyone, enjoy yourselves. Have a fantastic spooky season and definitely go and go and support Terry in all the ways. <laughs> yes. would love to see you. Love, look for me on YouTube. Google me, reach out if you need to. Uh, I'm at your service. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening. You can hear more from Terry on her social media and website. I'll provide a link in the show notes. 
If you want to suggest or submit a short story or a subject that you'd like us to cover, then contact us through our Facebook page or Twitter and subscribe if you would like to hear more. This has been a Yorick Radio production.